Hello and welcome to Eavesdropping at the Movies. I'm Mike. And I'm Jose. And we've been to The Electric today to see Passages, which is a French romantic drama uh, directed by Iris Sachs, whose work I'm not familiar with. He's um, from Tennessee, I believe. Yes, I've seen Keep the Lights On and Love is Strange. And I think I've also seen Forty Shades of Blue. Do you like his work? Uh, yes and no, mm-hmm. right? And I think actually... I, I like this one the most of all the ones I've seen. Like Keep the Lights On is, a, is also about a filmmaker who's making a documentary who falls in love with this Danish guy, uh, but who's got a drug problem. So I kind of, I like the emotional nuances, yeah, mm-hmm. of the work. I like the way that it explores contemporary relationships or relationships in a contemporary setting. And I, and I like the way he's with actors, but I don't like the look of his films. Yeah, I didn't like the look of this. Let me just briefly say what it's about and who it stars. Thomas is played by Frank Rogowski, who we've seen in Transit, Undina, Happy End. He's wonderful. He's wonderful, and we really like him. Yeah. Uh, he's a filmmaker, and we see him at the start um, directing this film that he's making. Um, he's in a long he's in a marriage with uh, Martin, who's played by Ben Whishaw. Mm. They live in Paris. Um, and one night... Uh, Thomas sleeps with a friend, a gat, played by uh, Adele Exarchopoulos, mm. who was in Blue's Blue is the Warmest Colour. She was wonderful in that. Yeah. And this affair leads to a kind of a bit of turmoil. Uh, uh, Thomas in particular, who is really the central character of the film, um, is uh, kind of torn between these two relationships, I suppose, um, and kind of love that he develops for um, a gat. Mm. Um, I didn't like the look either um i thought it looked dull and uh, I, I it was always kind of lifeless and but this also extended into the film as a whole which i didn't really get on with because remember what what the french said about brief encounter mm. all those years ago that famous thing about these two people in need of a bed right well in this film everyone's got beds they keep on you know they they, they, they find partners quite easily but no one's happy you know, I just thought, like, I, I, I kind of felt like... <laughs> that is often the case. I know, but, oh, I, Mike. <laughs> but, but I kind of felt like these people, these people um, don't have any trouble with places to live. They don't appear to have any trouble with money. Um, they obviously have this thing that kicks off with their relationship, with, um, th- with the affair. But, you know, they kind of split up and then they find another partner quite quickly and quite easily. I thought, just fucking lighten up all of you guys. I really didn't get on with these characters. Oh, well, I liked it very much. Um, I thought it was really interesting. I just thought these and, aren't real problems these people have got for well, a long time. Until a but pregnancy they, No, occurs. but they are. I mean, kind of, these are, in fact, the problems that everybody has. You know, which is, you know, what's your relationship like? What is love? You know, how secure are you in this relationship? I love that the film begins. They're not just a gay couple. They're married gay couple mm. so you know and, and the way that the film begins the whole thing with the ben wishaw character you know who's there supporting his husband yeah at the rap party but who's got to work the next day and wants to go home and goes home mm-hmm. right like i mean i thought those are dynamics that i understand very well that they're very comfortable it is in fact a very securely married couple and then boom something happens and something happens because the filmmaker 
wants something else. <laughs> yeah, he wants romance and explosions and, yeah, kind of explorations, right? So, you know, he's not happy in a way with what he's got. He wants more. Whereas, you know, kind of Martin is quite happy. Is Martin the Ben Winshaw character? Mm. Martin is quite happy with what he's got. And, um, anyway. he, he, there also appears to be some degree of history about it between them because at the start of the film, when uh, Thomas says, I slept with um, uh, a gap. Martin's not happy about it, but he says something like, you're always like this when you finish a film. You always forget. Mm. So, right. so like, there's some history between Yes, the and obviously, and I mean, I think what I like very much about it and what to me seems very real is, you know, that the film is very interested in kind of exploring, um, you know, the dynamics of modern relationships, right? And it kind of, you know... Um, includes you know a spectrum of sexual sexual interests and sexual desires and you know kind of um you know i i get the sense uh very much uh that the filmmaker is is kind of primarily homosexual right but he's kind of very taken with this woman he has this affair and something seems to open up i thought all that was very interesting mm. you know um but also you get the feeling that He's just entirely self-involved and entirely selfish and kind of not concerned with other people. Basically. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, and it becomes clearer and clearer, I think, as the film goes on, that he is the cause of... You know, I mean, I get to the point where I'm going, if only... I, I get to the point where I'm thinking, what is the continued draw to this character that these other characters have? Why are they drawn to him? Or, oh, I or why, that why don't they... Particularly Ben Whishaw, although ultimately he does get to the point where he um, rejects him for good. Um, but you know, why is he continually continually drawn back to this guy? I wanted more of a sense of oh. um, what the draw was. To me, it was very clear. Mm. I mean, the filmmaker. Well, first of all, he's very sexy, right? He's got this kind of ugly El Greco face. <laughs> yeah, he's got this kind of high pitched voice, right? Mm -hmm. So you think, oh, he's actually kind of ugly, really. Yeah, but then he begins to move in the dance floor, and you can see he's a very sexy man, right? And then. You know, he moves kind of in a very sexual way. Uh, you know, he's a good time in bed for sure. And then also, you know, he's an artist. He's somebody who's kind of making films, who's got ideas, who's kind of, you know, the, who's, who, yeah, who's got kind of a circle. And, and you could see that, like at the end, when you come to the Venice Film Festival with me, you can see that those things that go with being the type of filmmaker that he is, is something that he uses to draw people in the way he wants them drawn in. Mm -hmm. So I understood that kind of... Um, yeah, I understood that. Mm. I don't think I got as much of a sense of you uh, as you did from from the dance scenes or the sex scenes of him as a good mover. Mm. Um, I don't think I really felt that. I think it's partly the way it's shot, which is all this head and shoulders and mm. the kind of long take, and there's not a lot going on in it. Um, it felt kind of dull, as I was saying, roughly speaking, about the look of the film. Um, one the one thing I did like in one of the early sex scenes, it's the second time he sleeps with a gap, is um that he moans. He's the one making noise and mm. she's not. She's basically very unusual, like women vocalise mm. and men typically not so much, if at all. Um but it's Yeah, right. In movies. No, maybe. it's true. I mean it's it's anyway. Um but that's the point is 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 she's the one because it's in a public place um she's the one shutting him up 
he's mm. the one who is kind of being enlivened by this experience mm. because it's something he hasn't experienced for a long time and he's falling for her mm. and sex with a woman is you know this kind of this this clearly he's um had it before he, he um and not just that he's had sex with her before but you know in the past but he's kind of there's something renewed and enlivened about him by it and i thought that was that was a moment that i really enjoyed mm. um and then eventually i also kind of thought these are two actors who to the best of my knowledge i don't know if ben Wishaw is gay I, um he is is he mm. um but i don't think franz rogowski is and, and i'm kind of thinking all the sex scenes we're seeing with him in particular because this is what the characters go through are um straight sex scenes and eventually you get to this gay sex scene between mm. uh him and ben Wishaw when they when they you know he, he seduces him once again um and something about that kind of you really enliven the film and it's partly the, the, that it's um <laughs> explicit to a degree that i wasn't expecting uh-huh. um and more so than any of the scenes were with the woman the woman yes um but maybe that's also because that's something that I have no particular no, history I, with. I mean, it's still kind of very reticent in a way that, you know, heterosexual scenes, sex scenes aren't. Mm. But it's kind of more daring than yeah. is usual. Um, so I, I kind of, I liked it. I both liked that and I, it felt a bit awkward to me as well. Yeah. Um, Were there things that, that struck you as false or kind of bum notes or that kind of thing? No, uh, 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 it's just the camera was very reticent. Yeah, I kind of... Oh, I didn't necessarily mean in that scene specifically, but throughout the film, were there things that weren't... No, I kind of, I mean, I you know, I think the reason why I like the film is because that kind of felt true to me. And actually, one of the things, you know, that... So on the one hand, you're thinking, why is it taking it so long for Martin to really kick him out? Mm. Right, to put up with all of this. And then of course he realizes he loves him, right? And you know, kind of that's why he's doing it. Yeah. And then, you know, kind of a line is crossed. Yeah. Mm. Uh whereas, you know, it's kind of a different it's different to think that you've come to a new understanding with your partner than to think that you're once more being manipulated, yeah. Mm. About something so serious. So so I understood all those gradations. What I didn't understand is the, the the protagonist at the end. So I didn't understand why after Martin says, I never want to see you again. Yeah, kind of. And he's very final about it. Mm-hmm. Why he goes directly to the women again. Yeah. And I, I just didn't understand that. Right? It's, uh, yeah. Well, I, I, I think I got that because he was, these are the two people who he has feelings for. And, there's he, a degree of any port in a storm. He wants he when he's not with one, he wants to be with the other. When he's well, when he's with one, he wants to be with the other. He constantly wants both of them. And at one point, he even just says, "I'm confused." And someone at the back of the cinema sniggered, and I was like, "Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, no shit, you're confused." All we've seen throughout the whole film is he wants all this stuff. And he doesn't really know what he wants, but he wants them both. And so I, I understood that he would be. It's it's almost like um, it's like exhausting his options, you know. Well, I didn't understand the going back because it had been clear he'd already like ended that and got and returned, and you got the feeling that the person he really loves in that is Martin. Yeah, though though it's also clear that the relationship with the women is also yeah effective. He he says, "I think I love you" at one point, right, mm. to her. So, but I just thought 
that if that having was exhausted, you know, kind of you made you're clear on this man now. Why return to the woman just because he's kicked you out? I mean, it's, that just didn't make sense to me, right? I just think he could have a... found somebody else. He could have gone to a club that night and picked up someone. I mean, there's a million things he could have done, right, and returned to her. Um, and I also didn't understand, or I couldn't interpret. Well, that might be a good thing. The bicycle ride at the end, where you know you think he's really sad, he's very frantic, but then it ends with like a kind of almost a triumphant, triumphant kind of little smirk or glint or in the Marseillaise place. In the Marseillaise place, yes. Mm. Uh, in a kind of jazzy off kilter yeah, 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 yeah. way, but yeah. Uh, but I, I mean, it, it struck me as, as pretty derivative. There's an ending, and I can't wait for the cunt to get run over at that point. To be honest, I thought he's just gone, <laughs> like. <laughs> Because actually, the best scene in the film, I thought, by a long way, was the scene between um, Agat and um, Martin, where she, Thomas and Martin, have slept together while they were all at that retreat, the the, the chalet place. Yeah. Um, and she's heard it, and that's why she's rejecting Thomas. But then, you know, they're going off to Venice the next day, supposedly, Martin and Thomas, and so Martin goes to see Agat and say, like, I guess before it's all kind of coming to an end in a way and she reveals that she's had her pregnancy aborted and that is the line that that he crosses that's the line that gets martin to to finally end it with with thomas it's like what he's capable of 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 putting onto this woman she's the only one i really felt for at any point in the film because and, and i suppose i felt in some way like Martin does at this point is that she's the one who's going to have a baby on the way. Like the others have kind of emotional problems and breakups, but like Thomas can be a deadbeat dad for all, for all it matters, right? But she like she's not going to be able to give up this baby if she has it, and that's that's something that she's been kind of seduced into and subjected to. And so then the fact that the fact that he's able to basically put that on her, and then she um, has to take this decision to. Well, but maybe he's right. It. Maybe you know they could have had a fantastic relationship raising this child together, you know, in kind of interesting and new ways, which is what lots of people do. So. What do you mean the three of them? Yeah, or you know, maybe the three of them for the next ten years, and then maybe somebody else, and mm. you know, who knows who the woman might marry later on or whatever. I mean, you know, I don't take the abortion as a given or as a good thing. I mean, it seems to me kind of. You know, I mean, I can I can understand her a little bit, yeah, uh, but you know, it's not a given. It could have been a great adventure to have that baby. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I I suppose she always comes across um, as a, a kind of normative character. She wants a family, and you get the feeling that it's a quite traditional. And from her parents, for sure, you get that feeling. Yeah, absolutely. And she kind of feels pressured by them, but I think you also just get it like that's what she wants. That's a kind of life that she wants and she ultimately has to realize she's not going to get that from thomas if in the same building that she's in he's willing to um, effectively cheat on her mm. with his ex or on off <laughs> yes yeah i don't know if that's kind of the correct language i mean the thing is that she's presented as a very strong woman who knows what she wants at the very beginning she mm. breaks up with her boyfriend yeah right in no uncertain terms yeah so you know, kind of, she's someone who can take care of herself, and this is the way that she's decided to take care of herself. Yeah. Uh, so and she doesn't seem cut up about the abortion. It does. I mean, it, certainly, 
you know, we only see it for a scene, her expression, and she's talking to Martin, who is largely a stranger to her. So we're not going to get, like, all the kind of emotional depths mm. that you, we might otherwise from her. But she is, being, you know, it's a decision she's made. Yeah. And she is. And she's know, got her own logic and and so on. Yeah. Um, so, um, and the reason that she gives for not having the baby with him is, like, you two would swallow me up, right? And you kind of get a sense that she's she mm. might be right about that, right? So yeah. you, you understand her decisions kind of very well. Um, yeah, I liked it very much, actually. I like the film very much, for, you know, for those reasons. That kind of it explores those nuances of kind of, of a type of a relationship that's certainly kind of, A, not too common, but that is kind of more discussed now with, you know, th these ideas that people are on a spectrum, you know, um, that it's not just kind of the opposite of that spectrum, that there's stuff in between mm. homosexuality and heterosexuality and, you know, and men and women and so on. So I thought, you know, that this was a very interesting exploration of those kind of, of those types of feelings and those types of relationships at this time. You know, and I think in a way it's almost like the film is kind of conservative because people definitely have much more complex relationships than these in real life. Well, this is what I was <laughs> just about to say. Like, do you think if the film is about um, a love triangle where Thomas is straight and he has two women, he's married to a woman, he cheats on her with another woman, how different do you think that film is to this? I don't think very. Mm. To a degree it is, but... I think it would be different in the sense that kind of men always have more power, so the dynamics of that would be different. Mm. I think. Um, but I suppose, you know, what I'm getting at is it's a film in which, um, it, or it's it's a world in which being gay or straight or somewhere in between on the spectrum is is of little consequence other than kind of practically. Like, it doesn't mean something different about you. Well, it means something different to the parents. Yes, to the parents it does. You sure. know, so I think the social element of discrimination and so on is there in the film. The film acknowledges it. Mm. But these people are also living in this kind of artistic bohemian world in which kind of, you know, a wider array of behavior is accepted. Mm. You know, that kind of might be the case. And I think it's because of that that maybe, you know, um, some aspects of the film don't quite ring true to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Again, that element of him returning back to the school and, you know, to try to get back with her, you know, I think kind of... I suppose that made sense to me just because she has kind of rejected him over the phone. I don't want to speak to you and so on. But it, it, does, it did play to me that being rejected in person is what he needed to kind of... to understand it was at an end. Well, but, you know, he, he knows both things are at an end before he goes back to her. Well, he knows she's at an end before she returns to him. And I don't get that because, you know, you can just imagine a filmmaker on his way to the Venice Film Festival to premiere his film. I mean, mm. you know, your boyfriend kicks you out. You you know, you ask some cute guy to go with you. And that's that. I mean, I don't <laughs> He's understand. so needy. I mean, that's the kind of character. One of the reasons I didn't like him. Um, <laughs> Bloody needy. Well, I, I, I don't know. Well, he does seem needy in the sense that he always needs to be in one relationship or another. And he's certainly kind of very demanding and very, very egotistical and selfish about it, mm. you know. But you can also see the attractions of a person like that, I think. 
you know. Yeah, I think it's, he has to just he has to realize that these two relationships are at an end before he finds that new cute guy. Yeah, well, <laughs> uh, maybe. You know. Anyway, I kind of I like it very much, and you know, I I think um, you know we're living in an interesting time where this type or these types of relationships are kind of explored with a level of seriousness that this film offers. Though I must say that the level of seriousness that it offers in terms of, you know, the treatment and also a kind of understanding of, of I think, people and relationships and so on is not accompanied by what I would say as a cinematic nous. <laughs> yes. Mm. That, he doesn't seem to me to be a very skilled filmmaker. No, I quite agree. I think the film lacks pace. Um, and that may... It, it occurred to me that might very well be it lacks, deliberate, the pace. It lacks visual poetry. It lacks visual expressiveness. Like like you said, the camera is always like head-on. It's a medium close-up. You know, kind mm. of... You know, there are so many expressive tools yeah that are not at all explored mm. through even lighting or anything right like i mean and actually i thought even the costuming because you know i'd often catch myself saying oh I, I want that sweater rather than what does that jumper tell you about this character and this person and you know yeah like how is he expressing himself through his or, or what is the film expressing about that character mm. through what he's wearing i mean the, you know there is some of that but you know Kind of, there could have been a lot more. Mm. Um, I, the film will come up occasionally with a composition or two, which which is, but it will like the, the film will begin a shot in an ugly composition, and then whether it's you know people leaving the scene and you end up with just two of them, and then it becomes a composition that is worth looking at. You know that happens a couple of times, but I kind of thought like this is a way that I've seen an awful lot of of mediocre European movies look. It's this kind of cheap, the camera's just on a tripod, sat on at the end of a room looking at a group of people. It's not very interesting. I, the, the, the sense of things playing out in real time, I kind of appreciate. You know, that like it will, the, the scene, uh, the film will let a scene linger a little bit before like the that. character kind of uh, uh, absorbs something that's happened and moves on or whatever it might be. Like, I quite like that. But it happens in. In, in such a visually dull fashion. Yeah, it happens dramatically. So sometimes like a character will pause and then run after a person. And actually that's all held within the shot. And that does create kind of interesting tension, mm. you know? So kind of there are moments of that that work and that are good, but you know, you could have created the tension through, I don't know, editing yeah. or, you know, all kinds of other ways, right? And, and some of it, so there was that scene where they were in the bedroom and I think they're talking about getting back together or breaking up again. I forget what it was, you know, and uh, Ben Wishaw goes into the other room. Yeah. And then comes back to answer. But you only see like the bottom half of his face. And you think, well, like, why? Yeah. Like, you know, so kind of he's responding. It's a real moment. You want to see what effect this is having on him. And, you know, the, 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 the director is denying you that because there's like an interesting composition with, you know, one third of the frame. Being, it's just stupid. I thought that was yeah. like, it's like, it's, it's sub Tom Hooper because Tom Hooper will at least let you see someone's like half of someone's face, but at least facing the camera. There's mm. so much just being like stood away from the camera. There's that scene early on um, where uh, Thomas is sat on the edge of the bed and Martin's in bed, but Thomas is completely blocking him off and facing him. So we don't, we just see the back of, Mm. Thomas's head to remember this shot mm. and and 
there's a composition to it. There's, there's something vaguely interesting. I don't know why it's happening, though. I would rather see these characters' faces as they're yeah. talking to each other. These are good actors. And they're yes. really wasted to, to, to a great degree, I think. I don't know. I, so, if you're thinking, is this a film that you, you, know, you need to run to the cinemas to? I would say no. It would work exactly the same on television. You know, um, I don't. I don't think kind of visually it's interesting enough. You know, to kind of warrant going to the pictures for. On the other hand, I do think that there is a real sophistication in its uh, understanding of pe- of these people and these relationships, uh, and in handling the actors. Yeah, I thought kind of um, you know all the actors were very good. And um, German filmmaker, what's the actor's name? Uh, Franz Rogowski. Franz Rogowski is exceptional. Mm. I um, I I I didn't like it really. Yes. Um, well. I just thought you know, fucking lighten up, you miserable bastards! Like you've got you you you've got places to live and nice jobs and friends. Just fucking lighten. You just up. don't have a romantic bone in your body. And stuff. You know, if it's not with children or in some cartoon, forget about it. <laughs> I just think this this. Pre- people who won't talk to each other Uh, or they kind of will like he will express you know i think i'm falling for this world actually he's very expressive about it but he just won't grow up well um i liked it uh yeah yeah and and i think actually if you watch it on tv i think you get bored and turn it off i think you have to be in the cinema that's probably true actually that is probably true so you have to go to the cinema but not for good reasons (laughs) 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 all right well, um, thank you very much for listening. We are eavesdropping at the movies, and we are on. Uh, Apple Podcasts, Audible, Google Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and YouTube. On social media, we're on Facebook and X, or Twitter, as we still call it, hmm. um, at Eavesdrop Movies. Uh, and the website is eavesdroppingatthemovies.com. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.